0: Stories from the Cumberland Arms Episode 3 In this episode, a story, a commitment, and some history. So, I volunteered to tell a story for Stories from the Floor, but not straight away, nor any time when it seemed others would. I waited until the last call came when no one stepped forward, For I wanted the evening to end with my tale, an ending of the night and a new beginning. And I told this story as if made up, a story of a man who lived high and free on the wild fells, forced by circumstance to come down from the hills and live in the city, how he hated the claustrophobia of buildings and the urgent noise of irrelevant traffic, how he yearned for wide-open spaces beyond his reach. Then, as if by answering his prayers with a happy compromise, an idea came to him to buy a disused, derelict pub. I remember looking round to see if I could discern any hint that the audience had got my drift. But no, no knowing looks. So I came to the climax that he found a wonderful place here in the city which would give him a new lease of life, although not closed and shuttered up, the pub he'd bought at a beating heart, and faithful customers and rapper dancing and Irish music and storytelling. People still looked confused, bewildered by some things they knew all too well and facts that they could not equate. So I spelled it out, that I was that man, and that at midnight I would take the keys to this place, the Cumberland Arms, and become its new owner. No one seemed to get it. It was too much to take in, and the evening broke up amicably enough. Perhaps it was me so effused with excitement and gratitude that I could not take in that people did in fact understand the import of what I had said. Some people did question it, I remember, and remained unsure whether it was a hoax. Downstairs, a final party was in full swing, which, out of courtesy, I popped into only for a short time. I took a chance in a lull and called for attention and, standing on a chair, made a public commitment to preserve and develop the Cumberlands' cultural heritage, and we have kept that commitment, Joe and I. Supporting artists from across the spectrum, especially those starting out, helping as much as we can those who want space to try things out. Commitment to culture at the Cumberland with good service and great beer burns bright still, as does honing our ethos in on family and community. And there's another principle we put into effect from the beginning. Because I was to live upstairs we agreed that staff would treat customers as if they were coming into my parlour, and equally we would expect the customers to treat staff likewise. These are our core values. I am very proud of what Joe has achieved in these 20 years, resulting in a recent significant award of a cultural recovery grant. Yes a cultural recovery grant, unusual for a pub from the Arts Council England. Did you know that in an average year, the Cumberland support some 900 artists, hosts 90-plus community events, 180 performances, 150 dance rehearsals, over 350 backroom sessions, and anything up to 40 outside gigs and events? This is the foundation on which the future of the Cumberland Arms must be secured. But people who love the Cumberland are concerned at the growing residential developments in the Ewsburn. These could have a significant negative impact on our outside events, which are vital to our financial viability. I am glad to say we are already putting into effect plans to counter any proposals which might affect us which is a story for another episode. But how did the Cumberland originate? Who owned it over its approximate 170 years? Well, we've had help from Mike Greatbatch, well known for his historical walks round the Usburn, and his writings on social history, and from Sue Bright, a keen local historian. The Cumberland has a story going back to the early-mid-1800s, the building began life as a dwelling, number 30 Biker Buildings. 254 people lived in the street, and behind number 30, a further 79 people lived at James Place. You can still see the faint painted sign for James Place outside the Cumberland, on the wall beside the fire doors to the upstairs venue. Around 1870, No. 30 Biker Buildings was occupied by John Lightfoot his wife and child, and it was he who gave birth to the Cumberland when he opened his front room as a beer parlour. This coincidence with our intent in 2022 to treat people as if they were coming into my front room seems to underline what the Cumberland has always been about. John Lightfoot was allowed to do this by virtue of the Beer Act, 1830, which allowed rate-paying householders to sell beer. The passing of the Beer Act was a momentous moment for cities throughout the kingdom, for its purpose was to save the nation, and its effect was to begin the Cumberland's long history. Why and how is for next time. A PS... For those who would like to know a little more about how we're protecting our outside events from being curtailed or stopped because of encroaching residential development, our independent acoustic expert, Peter Rogers of Sustainable Acoustics, has produced an infographic demonstrating the range which the sound of our outside events reaches. This demonstrates what area needs protecting. The infographic can be found on our website, thecumberlandarms.co.uk. Thank you. The Cumberland Arms podcast was produced and recorded by Hal Branson, barman at the Cumberland Arms between 2006 and 2008. The music featured in the Cumberland Arms podcast is by Tim Dalling.